We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When I start, why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. All right, welcome to the Field of 68's After Dark Thursday night edition. I'm Jeff Goodman. I'm joined by Tyler Hansborough, the best college basketball player over the last two decades, and also Terrence Oglesby, who actually in a game on January 21st, 2009, actually outscored Tyler 22 to 20. The only problem... we lost Clemson got blown out by 24 points. <laughs> hey, hey, that's that's good reporting right there, Jeff. <laughs> that's, that's, the that's excellent research. Hey, I yeah, have that over I, you, T. I have that over you. Yeah, you do. I mean, uh, don't don't downplay yourself, Terrence. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. a, hey, I remember, you know what? What did you say? I had 22? 22. I had 20 in the first half. Couldn't throw it in the ocean in the second half. Because I went to halftime thinking, I was like, I might get 40 in the Dean Dome. And I'm going to talk shit for a lifetime. Didn't happen. Then they realized you weren't a walk-on. All right, listen. Right. You can listen to us every night at 11 o'clock Eastern on SiriusXM Channel 84. Also watch us in the Field of 68 YouTube channel and also on Twitter. Uh, make sure you hit us with any questions in the YouTube chat, and we will get to them in the afters immediately after the show ends at midnight on Sirius. All right, we got plenty to get to tonight. There weren't a ton of games, but there was some good amount of action here. The mid-major darlings, FAU and Charleston, both lost. Ohio State's Chris Holtman got run. Is Michigan back in the mix for attorney birth? And also, we're going to give you our midseason All-American teams and also whether we agree with Micah Shrewsbury's comments about Purdue head coach Matt Painter. Houston taking a little bit of a lead here on Wichita State at Wichita with about two and a half minutes to go. So it looks like they're going to hang on for the win. Let's start in the Big Ten, boys. I know you're both Big Ten guys uh, coming out of the ACC, but the Big Ten was where it was at tonight, and we've got to start with Chris Holtman in Ohio State. This is a team that has been reeling, uh, has lost seven of its last eight uh, coming into the game tonight. They lose again. Chris Holtman gets run. They're down 10 at the end of the first half, and he gets tossed by uh, John Higgins. How worried are we, T.O., about Chris Holtman and his future in Columbus, Ohio? If there's people calling for Chris Holtman's job, they need to get their priorities straight. 
that guy has been terrific ever since he got there. And, and look, you're looking at a Big Ten. That league's it, it's a league full of old guys, and he's got the team full of young guys. And that usually doesn't turn out all that well, especially in that league. In the ACC, you can pull it off. In the SEC, you can get a lot of talent. You can pull it off. Big Ten's tough because those guys have been in those systems for three and four years now. And then he's got some of these super talented freshmen. Sometimes it stinks. And sometimes you're going to have to coach these guys up for a couple of years to keep up in the Big Ten on a on a game-to-game basis. That's hard. And they have been losing. Holtman's obviously irritated. But John Higgins, I promise you, he was irritated too. Because if you've seen his referee slate over the past seven <laughs> days, have you guys seen this? It's insane. I, I tried to find it before we got on here. But his last six or seven days, he's – across the country he's done like six games and seven nights i don't know how the guy's functioning so he can't be in a good mood and then they're also going up against the wisconsin team where it's like they can get under your skin if you're worried about chris holtman and you're an ohio state fan forget it stick with the man he knows what he's doing he's a heck of a coach all right hey tyler i am going to give give you uh john higgins's schedule over the last uh week all right so saturday last saturday he was in palo alto all right, uh, Stanford, Cal. Sunday, he was in West Lafayette, Purdue, Michigan State at Purdue. Monday, he was in Austin, Baylor at Texas. Tuesday, he was in Lawrence, Kansas, Kansas State at Kansas. Wednesday, he didn't take the day off. He hit the Valley. He did Northern Iowa against Drake in Des Moines. And then last night, uh, I'm sorry, tonight, he was in Columbus, Ohio. So, uh, no days off for John Higgins. One of the best refs. I love him. I think he's terrific. But there's got to be something done because this should not be happening when the biggest games of the sport are occurring. These guys should not be working, you know, seven of eight days, 14 of 15, cross, crisscross in the country. It's ridiculous. I, I agree with you, Jeff. And there's something that has to be done. And for a guy to be working that much and to expect him to get every call right or to have him on big games uh, is inexcusable. And, you know, the refs have taken a lot of criticism this year, and rightfully so. They've missed a lot of calls just like players miss shots. Coaches call bad plays. Uh, I was critical of some calls last night. Uh, Part of it was with my heart a little bit. Uh, But, you know, refs make mistakes, and – the, the only my only issue is the way they handle the mistakes could be done a little bit better. Uh, I think the rest from the NCA don't take enough criticism. Uh, I think they need to be more appealing to get more, you know, more officials out there to give these guys a little bit of rest. Then maybe we, we wouldn't be overcritical of them. Uh, it's easy, but- Tyler. I have the easy answer here. A universal assigner. Instead, right now, you've got different assigners in every league. If you have one universal assigner, you know what they could do? They could at least keep everybody geographically in the same area. So they're not flying all over the country. And they can also say, hey, you know what? We're going to give a guy a day off here. He's worked six. They they don't know because they're working different leagues. So the other Mm -hmm. assigners don't know what they're working the other nights. You need a universal assigner. This isn't that difficult. They need to somehow figure it out because it will only help the sport. Yeah, and I agree with that. The only the only pushback I have a little bit is conferences to me, you know, the Big Ten, the old school kind of pound it, beat you up inside. 
uh, physical basketball, ACC athleticism up and down. Some of these refs ref conference is just a little bit different in my mind. And Terrence, you could say this about, I've always said this about Florida state. When you go down to Florida state uh, in the ACC, you know, they're going to beat you up. They were a big, strong physical team. And I feel like they got the benefit of the whistle because of their identity. And, you know, I think there needs to be a little bit more universal understanding of what a foul and, you know, like refing these conferences differently isn't appropriate to me. I think everything should be called the exact same. What can we do to you? What, 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 go ahead. I like, I like the idea of a universal assigner. I, I think that's a big one. And then basically you get bigger conference games, depending on how you, they have statistical analysis of right calls versus wrong calls and they, they stat and do everything. I mean, referees, the guys that they're getting, they're the best in the business. Higgins is one of the best in the business. I think a universal assignment signer would be good. Uh, There are a lot of refs working like they they are out there. The, The problem is, is the really good ones, the people that guys are comfortable with. I mean, they're, they're zigzagging the country and that's really hard on guys. And, and to me, if you're going to, do six games and seven nights. I just don't know how that's manageable to be able to produce, to do your job at a high level, especially zigzagging the country the way you do. I think a universal assigner is good. And then you can't work more than three or four games during the course of a week. And I, these guys, sky miles must be just out of this world. Like I, I, there is no right answer really, because the best ones are the biggest conferences are going to want those guys. And, you know, since they're independently assigned, it's hard. And you know what? If you talk to any any coach, any of the high major guys, the top guys, they'll say, still, I'd rather have one of the elite guys on their eighth game in eight nights than some guy that's not that good, period. And, and that's the problem. They shouldn't have to be on their eighth game in eight nights. All right. Um, I, I think Holtman, I agree with you on Holtman. I agree that you got to be careful sometimes what you wish for. And I'll say this back to when you guys were, were there. I think, did you both coach, did play against Herb Sendak at NC State? I did, yeah. Okay. So, Sydney Lowe was there when I was there. All right. So Herb was a guy that couldn't beat Carolina or Duke. So they ran him out of NC State. He went to the tournament every year, and he actually had a really good recruiting class coming in the year they basically ran him out. Um, so they run him out of town, and they bring in Sydney Lowe, who sucked. It was a complete – Failure. It was. It was awful. And then he brought in Gottfried and, you know, he cheated his his ass off and they ended up, you know, winning enough games. But we know what he was doing. So he eventually, you know, he goes to Sweet 16. He gets lucky a little bit. But but the, the bottom line is, again, sometimes you got to be careful what you wish for. And Chris Holtman is getting him the tournament. He has every year. This year has not been good. He has not done a good job coaching this team this year. But they've got a really good recruiting class coming in next year. So I think you got to give him one more year to see what he can do. That's the biggest thing for me in Ohio State and Chris Holtman. Is Are there people calling year. for Chris's job? What's that? Are there people calling for Chris's oh, job? Oh, yeah. Look at my friend. Twitter feed. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Man, there's a lot of people that would love that kind of consistency. That's and if I'm Chris Holtman, you know what I might do? Try to go get Notre Dame. Try to go get Notre Dame. It fits him. You get a new lease on life. Uh, maybe people appreciate him there. And uh, I think, he again, he fits. Uh, he's, right, been the other savvy, game, he's been savvy about jobs. 
too. Remember, he was sure. a head coach at Gardner Webb, left yeah. Gardner Webb to be the assistant at Butler, and then gets sure was it Butler? Yeah, and then gets the Butler, yeah. and then gets. I mean, he's been savvy about jobs. I wouldn't be shocked to see something like that happen. Uh, to, to me, this is a bad loss. This is a real bad loss. And I understand why people are frustrated. Uh, Wisconsin went one and seven in January. The struggling team. This isn't like a, you know, a, a tournament team quad one. And you could see the frustration when he did get ejected. Uh, Bryce Sensabaugh, to me, is a very talented player, young kid. Uh, so I think they have the talent. I think if you look at the, you know, the, the, the box score, I think they turned the ball over. And that's a sign to me. Uh, you've got to get control of your team and better coaching. Uh, turnovers lose games. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't really know, but I understand why fans are frustrated for sure. All right, that was Tyler Hansborough. You're listening to Field of 68's After Dark. I'm Jeff Goodman, also here with Terrence Oglesby. And uh, we're talking a little Big Ten to start the, the show off tonight. Uh, Ohio State loses a, a tough one. Wisconsin gets one that they needed. Another team that gets a big win, the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, they pull off a win at Northwestern to kind of keep their tournament hopes alive. What are the odds, Tyler, that Michigan, we see Hunter Dickinson in the NCAA tournament this year? Not good. Uh, I, I don't think their team's really gelling. And the, the, when I look at their team, even though they are turning a little corner and, you know, they beat Northwestern, to me, Northwestern isn't like a – you know, you don't hang your season on that win. Uh, I think Hunter is a great player, and I think he does a really good job when he takes his time and really establishes himself down low in the post. He is a good passer, and they really uh, kind of go as he does, and I think they run things through him because, you know, he can find the open score. I mean, he's good out of doubles. When he takes his time, he can score. Uh, but to me, I don't think Michigan has the quality wins or – uh, they've hit a lot of rough streaks this year. I, I don't see him making it. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Uh, but today, I mean, it, it at least kept them alive because Northwestern, for what it's worth, I mean, they have been good this year compared to recent history. Going into this game, they were second in the league. And I'm not saying that's going to stay that way. But at the same time, like Michigan talent-wise, we're superior to Northwestern. Now, that, that all being said, when you look at this Michigan team, I know they won today, and they guarded today. You hold anybody to 51 points. I mean, that that helps things, right? And Chase Aldiz, who I'm a big fan of, going, what was it, 0 for 7 from 3? Kill. But, yeah, kill. yeah it, it hurts. It hurts. When you're playing a Michigan team, you got to be able to shoot over the top because that big fella's down there. But it, it's it's a Michigan team where it's hard to put your finger on it. And it's, it's like Hunter's there with a bunch of guys – that you can't really decide if they – it's not that they don't like each other. It's just that just the puzzle pieces don't fit. Like, Jet Howard's a bucket, but he's only a bucket. He's not doing much of anything else. And he's not cutting off the ball. He's not exactly playing off the ball because he needs it in his hands in order to score. So – and then you have some non-shooters and some good athletes that were highly touted kids, but the pieces just don't fit. It, it's a hard thing to go through when you're a Michigan fan and you get all these highly touted recruits – but they just don't pick, they just don't mix and match and they don't play well together. That's a hard pill to swallow. No, I, I think you're right. I think you could be looking down the road at Michigan and Northwestern, both being in IT teams. Uh, when we come back next on Field of 68 After Dark, one coach that will not be coaching the NIT team, Creighton's Greg McDermott. He'll tell you why they've made a huge, huge turnaround the last couple of weeks. You're clear.
Big time tease right there, Goodman. Big time tease. Yeah, that was good. That was good, Goodman. That was good. Um, all right, first question for you guys. Um, let me go back and find who said it. Jesse Goodman wants to know your take on Texas A&M. Uh, they haven't played anybody. They just don't beat anybody. Um, and, and honestly, they're going to get right in the bubble again. And they're not going to get in, even with a really good SEC uh, record because they don't play anybody in the non-conference. And Buzz should have learned his lesson last year, and he didn't. And to be honest, you got nobody to blame but yourself when you get to the NIT again. I don't know, Jeff. They're 7-2 and two in league now. Who have they beaten? They got, they got an Auburn win. Florida. What else they got? Yeah, no, you're right. That's it. That's nobody. it. Nobody. Yeah, nobody. Nobody. Got to play somebody. In the non-conference, you got to play somebody. And, and they haven't. Three years in a row now. So, like, come on, man. And don't get up there when you don't get in and read that 10-page letter or whatever you read last year. 30 right. seconds. Go away. Go uh, away. Go to NIT. Go to New York. And I'm also interested. somebody next. Uh, McDermott is here, so I'm bringing him in. You guys can start the uh, next segment with him on. All right. How much time we got before the? 17 seconds. Got Perfect. Perfect. 10. There he is. You are you're live. You're live, Mr. McDermott. Five seconds. So Here we go. always Three, be careful what you two, say. Two. All right, welcome back. Field of 68 after dark. And uh, we will not waste any time before we get to our next guest. It is none other than Creighton head coach Greg McDermott. Mac, how are you? I'm doing good. A little, you know, relaxed. A little late for us old guys. You hey, I was told you picked the time a little bit here. You wanted the late, the late night uh interview. So I'm impressed you are awake. Well, yeah. I had hey, Bill, Bill I had a good Bill, meal tonight. It wasn't the drover. All right. It was not the drover, but I'm in Charleston. And uh my wife and I, it's our second to last dinner here. And we went to Halls. Big time, big time steak. Big time. Have you not hey, Mac? I gotta ask you before yeah. we get this going. Are you in a closet? Where are you at? I, I looking at your background here. Where? I, I have a condo downtown that uh, when I have late night stuff and I'm going to be watching film all night, it's right across from the arena. Uh, so I just uh, I hang here and do a lot of my work and stay out of my wife's hair. Uh, there you go. Got a little man cave action. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Tyler? Coach, thanks for coming on. Uh, are, are we going into questions now? or We are. We are. Okay. Hey, Coach, uh, you guys have won five straight now, eight of the last ten. Uh, the big picture for you guys, how have you turned it around uh, so quickly? Well, I think, Tyler, number one, we got Kalkbrenner back. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he was healthy uh, when he was playing uh, in Maui and certainly after Maui, and then we had to shut him down. And, and then it took him a while to get back in shape. But, he, you know, he, he provides so much gravity on the offensive end going to the rim and the pressure, excuse me, he puts on the rim and, and what that creates for everybody else. And then defensively, you know, I think he's one of the best rim protectors in the country. And that allows us to take some chances defensively out there and kind of steer everything to him. And to our guys' credit, Tyler, when we were going through that, uh, obviously in the this day and age of social media, everybody thought the house was burning down on the outside. And, uh, you know, we just kept working and stay pro stayed process-oriented, and the guys got better through that tough stretch, and I think that's paying off now. Hey, Mac, last game, 
You did not have a single point from your bench against Georgetown. How the hell does that happen? How are you, how are you not getting more bench production here? I've been yelling all year. Like, we need more bench production from you guys. I'm I'm scared about that down the stretch. How yeah. worried are you? You know, in fairness to our bench, uh, Jeff, you know, we, we, we played, I probably played too difficult of a schedule. So you, you play the four, you know, by games and uh, you know, we struggle with St. Thomas a little bit out the gate and then the bench got to play some of the next three. Then you go to Maui for three tough ones. You go, you come back, you go to Texas, you play Nebraska, then you go to Vegas and play two tough ones and you start conference play. So yeah. some of those young guys just didn't really get the opportunity to probably grow as much uh, as you normally would in a, in a, in a more normal non-conference schedule. Uh, and, you know, they've, they've had their moments. Frederick King has done some good things for us. Uh, Mason Miller's come off the bench and does some good things. Uh, Francisco Ferrabello has been rock solid. Either, even when he isn't scoring, he's in the right place doing the right things. <clears throat> and then Sharif Mitchell uh, is backing up the point sum and giving us some minutes there. So, you know, there's there's a lot of TV timeouts in this game. And, uh, you know, if, <laughs> yeah, if those guys think they can go. And, it, you know, having said all that, you know, I don't think any of our starting five are in the top 10 in minutes played in the Big East. So while it looks crazy, um, you know, we're e either – if you're going to play them a bunch in the game, you have to be really careful what you do during the week in practice. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been very careful with how much they're on their feet outside of game night. Coach, you brought a guy in with, with a strong nucleus coming back last year. I mean, you guys set the world on fire back half of last year, and then Baylor Shireman comes into town. And it started off great. You go through a little bit of a skid. What have you seen from him during this winning streak and through this through this portion of Big East play that makes you think, hey, like this Creighton team's back to where we thought we were, they were going to be? I think he, you know, I think he had to learn to play in our system. Uh, he had the ball in his hands a lot at South Dakota State, so he's had to learn to play without the ball and kind sure. of, you know, pick his spots. And we've really encouraged him to, you know, try to get in the paint a little bit more. Go in there and try to make some things happen. You got a big body. You can score in there. You can get to the free throw line a little bit more. Um, and then I think defensively, I think he's learned to play with Kalkbrenner. Like, I can get up. I can, I can press up a little bit. And if I get beat, just don't foul. Send it into the big guy and let him clean it up on the backside. So, I think there's been a learning curve for him. What's been amazing to me, you know, he can pass it, he can shoot it, he really understands how to play. But the way he has rebounded the basketball, you know, moving yeah. up from the Summit League, Summit League, that was probably the one skill is will it transfer up a level? And it certainly has. You know, he's uh, he's got as many double-doubles almost as anybody that's ever played for me. I think, uh, you know, Doug and Ryan Hawkins have won more than he has. And, you know, we still got quite a bit of season left. So he, he's been incredible. He's been a – really a seamless fit with those other four guys. Greg, this team's a little different than some of your others in terms of shooting the ball from three. Like you've had some teams that could drill it. Like every dude could could make threes. This team's more athletic. Um, you know, obviously Shireman's been awesome as far as shooting the, the ball from deep. Um, how different has this been for you to, to coach this group because of that? Uh, you know, I think we're – I think we're capable shooters, Jeff. Uh, you know, we shot 30% from the three-point line last year. You insert Shireman, whose percentages are very similar to Hawkins, and we're shooting 35% this year. So, you know, Trey Alexander's made a huge jump. Uh, Nemhard, especially lately, is really shooting it well. Kaluma made a couple big threes against uh, against Xavier last week. 
Uh, and, you know, Kalkbrenner's going to shoot one every now and again. And, you know, Farabello's probably the guy off the bench that I thought would shoot a little bit better. And I still think it's there. He shot it well in practice. So I think the threat of the three-point shot has still opened up the floor for us. And, you know, the reality of it is, is, you know, if we're going to finish this season off strong, we're going to have to make some shots. And, uh, but fortunately, uh, you know, we're defending well enough in the game at Georgetown uh, where your defense can win you a game when the, when the offense isn't there. Coach, we've talked several times over the past couple of seasons, point guard play, hit the button for Jeff Goodman, point guard play, point guard play. You have two guys. And I thought the development of Trey Alexander when, not Columa, excuse me, when Nembard got hurt last year, I thought that really helped him and helped him gain some confidence and it fed some into this season. How nice is it to have both of those guys just to be able to fall back on, I mean, so much ball handling to run your fast paced and early looks in the offense type of deal. Yeah, you know, any of those guys can lead the break, and Kalou right. is included in that. And then we can use all three of them at a ball screen, you know, Alexander, Nemhart, and, and Shireman. So now, you, you know, you move the pieces around on who has to tag and where your help is. Um, because, and, and then, you know, Alexander and, and Shireman, we don't take a lot of mid-range shots, but we're, we're top five or six in the country in making in the percentage of shots that we make from that distance because those two are so good at it. But, you know, to your point, Trey was terrific last year when, when R2 went down and he carried that momentum into the offseason. He worked extremely hard. He added some muscle to his body. And, you know, the 28% three-point shooter last year and he's 40% this year. So uh, I think his work speaks for itself. And then, you know, defensively, he's he, – we, we generally put him on the other team's toughest player. So Trey's done a lot for us. He's had to adjust to be that defensive stopper, and I think his offense has caught up as he's gotten accustomed to that, but he's, he's been absolutely terrific for us. And, and Carl Brenner defensively, we talked about his gravity on offense to have that guy back in the lineup and to have that many athletic guards, you alluded to Trey Alexander. I think Arthur Columa's terrific, but now you have a lot of different switchable bodies, one through four, and they got to run into the big fella behind you. I think he could be defensive player of the year again, if people are willing to take in consideration that he did miss some games but Big East Defensive Player of the Year, I think it's entirely possible, wouldn't you think? Absolutely. And I think, I think you know, opposing coaches understand what he does for our defense. And yep. uh, he's unique in the sense that he's, you know, I'd like to say that I taught him all this stuff, but I didn't. Uh, a lot of it, uh, you know, is, is his innate ability to understand when to leave the floor, you know, to block a shot, when to stay on the floor, when to just body up and, and you know, make it a difficult shot. Um, and he doesn't foul. I mean, I think last year, one time he got to four fouls in 30 some games, which is incredible as many times as people are coming at him and he hasn't been to four fouls yet this year. So, uh, you know, he does a great job. He's very intellectual with the way he plays. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously we ask a lot out of him, but, uh, he's really worked to prepare himself for that. Cleans up a lot of mistakes. Cleans up a lot of mistakes. Yes, he does. All right, which is more surprising? If I had told you that Marquette would be 10-2 and two in the league at this point or Ed Cooley would have Providence at 9-3, and three, which would you be more surprised about if I had said that in the preseason? You know, I, I was I was talking to Cooley this morning, and uh, he said he was going recruiting. I'm like, recruiting? <laughs> what are you going recruiting for? You're just going to bring eight, in more eight more transfers and yes, roll, yes. roll it back. So why are you going recruiting? you got a week between games. I mean, sit by your pool, do whatever you're going to do. 
you know, I'm not surprised what Ed has done. You know, he did it last year with a group that was relatively new and he's, he's really pushed all the right buds with this group. You know, when you see where they were in November and where they are now, uh, it's been incredible. But I I think what Chuck has done with what they lost, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that anybody saw this coming, but obviously they're, you know, they're playing great on both ends of the floor. I just got done rewatching their Villanova game from yesterday and, you know, nobody forces Villanova into 18 turnovers. And, uh, you know, they're, they're very active defensively in the quarter court. It gives you some different looks. And then, you know, Tyler Koenig's uh, having an MVP type of a year. He, you know, you last year, you tried to make him a score and take away his ability to pass. And, you know, now this year, he's really added the three-point shot and the ability to score. And as soon as you leave your feet and make a mistake, uh, he's going to make you pay for the pa- with the pass. So uh, I, I probably would say what the job that Chuck has done has probably, you know, been one of the best in the league. All right. Well, listen, uh, we appreciate you joining us here on After Dark. Uh, go back to your, your dungeon or wherever you are and uh, continue watching tape. We're glad we, we gave you a little bit of a uh, hiatus from that. Great to catch up, guys. You too. You too. There he is. Uh, Creighton head coach Greg McDermott. Uh, Blue Jays back on track now. What do you think, T.O., as far as when, when you're looking now, at Creighton within the Big East. Obviously, you got Xavier in first, tied with Marquette. Providence is right behind them. But Creighton, you know, a team that a lot of people, myself included, had ranked in the top 10 in the preseason with a healthy Kalkbrenner. Can they win this league? Being that they've only lost three, it's entirely possible. And there's just so much offensive firepower in this on this team. I mean, between Trey Alexander and Arthur Kaluma and Baylor Shireman and coach said it exactly right and of course he would it's his player but like his ability to impact so many different pieces of the game uh you know I thought when they lost Ryan Hawkins that that made me a little nervous initially because I was like man you you know Nimbard's still a little young Alexander's still a little young like he was kind of their settle down guy they don't need that guy anymore and he can let those guys go there's a lot of firepower and when Kalkbrenner's healthy they can get out in the passing lanes more. They can push out the, some catches a lot more in the quarter court. I, I haven't heard that phrase. I'm going to start using it. I really like it. To push out passes in the quarter court a little bit more defensively, and people are operating a lot further away from the basket, Kaltbrenner changes everything that they can do, and they're a tough out. It's going to be really difficult. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. When we come back next, Tyler Hansborough is not going to be allowed to pick a North Carolina Tar Heel, but we're going to give you our mid-season All-American teams, Field of 68s, after dark. And you're clear. He looked like he was in a basement. 
I thought he was in the, the in the arena. I, I couldn't tell completely. <laughs> it looked like he was in the arena. All right, like, uh, put up some Campus curtains. Yeah, I got. A, I have a question for you guys. Go ahead. Um, I forget who asked it because again, the chat is moving like crazy, so it's kind of hard for me to catch it out. But if you had to pick right now, national champion, Big Twelve from the Big Twelve, the Big East, or the field. Big 12 and Big East or the field? Yes. Yeah, I'll take the Big 12 and the Big East. I agree with that. I take the Big 12 solely. Big East doesn't do it for you, T? Never have. I don't know why, but I respect them. Yeah. Big 12. that much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the Big 12, uh, I mean, recent history says that they're going to be right there again. Yeah. I don't know, man. But they just had – there's so many different styles in that league. and the 30 seconds. They're just so good and so much good coaching. that You could you could take that. What else you got, Dagan? Um, scrolling back here, um, trying to find something for you guys quickly. All right, come on. Ask some questions, people. Get them ready for the afters. Anything for Tyler? <laughs> we, can, we can do it all day. Yeah. The whole, the whole show. Ten um, seconds. Well, we'll, right. just, we'll just get back. We'll, we'll wait. We'll get we'll get a next break. I don't know if we can answer one that quick now. I'm watching. Here we go. Dylan, Dylan Brooks hit Mitchell on the you know what. All right, welcome back. Field of 68th after dark. Jeff Goodman here with Tyler Hansborough and Terrence Oglesby. Uh, we're just joined by Creighton head coach Greg McDermott of the resurgent Creighton Blue Jays. And now it is time to give you not only our midseason All-American teams, which I've asked these two gentlemen to do, but also in light of Micah Shrewsbury's comments last night of Purdue, best team, best player, best coach, who would we take as a coach to build our program? Not necessarily who's going to win coach of the year this year, but who would we take to build our program around? Let's start with midseason All-Americans, number one. And uh, Tyler, kick us off with, with, with one guy, uh, that, that, that's on your midseason All-American team and why? Well, th- this guy is going to be on everyone's All-American team. It's Zach Eady. And the way he's turned around and played this year has been unbelievable. He's dominating everybody. Uh, he's totally changed his body. And I think, I mean, the whole offense re- revolves around him. And, uh, you know, Purdue's been very consistent, uh, you know, 20-1, and one, I think. But uh, Zach Eady for sure. That's a no-brainer. We agree with that, Tio? No-brainer. Yeah, no-brainer. Player of the year, no-brainer. And he, it's crazy as it sounds, he just keeps getting better, which is – Yeah, he's is, passing out of double teams better now. He's moving better defensively. Uh, he's honestly – I don't know who else I can compare to him in college basketball. Can you guys think of anybody who's been that, like, physically dominant – since like Shaq, I, I I don't know who it is. The last big guy that I saw was that big. Tyler Hansbrough dunked on him. Kenny George. And, <laughs> it's the last um, one I saw. Yes. Yeah, but you know, um, Eddie is. I mean, he could be the most improved player as well in college. That's right. I mean, coming off of what I saw him uh, playing the tournament last year. I mean, the way he is around the rim has been unbelievable. I mean, his he he actually has soft hands for his size. He is not a 
you know, you know why, Tyler? Why? Because you know, he, he grew up playing baseball and he played first base. Yeah. I saw, and I a saw first that baseman, play. think about it, right? A first mm-hmm. baseman, you better have soft hands. You better be you're you're more agile. You're going down and he, you know, like you're scooping balls, you're you're laying out for balls. That's him. That's that's honestly why he doesn't look nearly as plotting as a lot of seven four guys would look. Yeah, he's been dominant. He also makes some highlight plays this year, which I don't think he was capable of last year. He's worked on his body as well. Uh, very impressive to watch. Dio, go ahead. Who do you got next? Uh, Brandon Miller. I have Brandon Miller second on my list. Uh, he is just immensely talented and somebody who's just continued to improve his NBA stock for next year. Uh, they had a slip up against Oklahoma, but man, it just woke him up. And now this Alabama team, once again, is rolling and he's the best player on arguably the second best team in the country. And his scoring outbursts have been awesome to watch, have been awesome to watch. He's as smooth a player as we've seen in some time at the college level. Tyler? The eye test says Alabama's the best team, Uh, athletic, big. I have Brandon Miller on my list, and I tried to find a reason not to put him on there. Uh, For some odd reason, I just didn't want to do it. But you can't leave him off. Alabama has to be has to have somebody on there. I think Brandon Miller's that guy. I think he's a go-to uh, player. I think he can get you a bucket. And you got to reward winning, like you said. I yeah, mean, you reward 100%. Purdue and Alabama, right? You got those have been the two best teams. To me, if it's close, you got to put one of those guys on. Brandon Miller, the only freshman we're probably going to have on this list as well. All right, I'm going to go next. I'm going to go Jalen Wilson at Kansas. I don't know how you you have to have him on there. He's a guy. He, he is a walking bucket right now. He has been carrying Kansas for weeks. You give him the ball, he could score from all three levels. He rebounds. He can facilitate a little bit too. But you know, again, the primary reason why Kansas has not taken a, a major step back is because of Jalen Wilson. Uh, any arguments there, boys? None for me. He's been impressive. Kansas, at one point, I thought was playing the best team in the country. I mean, I felt like they were the best team in the country. Javon Wilson got to be on there. It's been awesome to see him improve his perimeter shot, too. Uh, yep. For him to really shoot the ball from the perimeter, be a go-to guy. And the good thing for him this year is that without Kansas playing with a true five, like it allows him to use his athleticism even more whenever he's attacking the rim. He's been impressive all year. I think these last two are going to differ a little bit. I feel like everybody, those so. top three, those top three, everybody's going to be pretty consensus on. Yeah. I, I'm interested to see what, what you guys got. All right. Go ahead, Tyler. Marcus Noel. Uh, I, I put him on there. He's one of my favorite players to watch in the country. Uh, New York City guy. Yeah. Uh, competes. He has Kansas State. He is their leader. Uh, I love the way he's been going. So I put him on there. I like it. I like it. I, like that I really like it. Um, yeah. I, I agree. And you could easily put him on there. I did not put him on there. He would be on my second team. But, man, he is tough. Look at what he's done. He and Keontae Johnson have done at Kansas State. I have no issue with you putting him on the first team. Um, T.O., what do you got? I did not have him. But Mark, he has been awesome. And arguably the turnaround story of the season at Kansas State. He's been awesome. I didn't go there. I went another point guard. I went with uh, – we, we we talked to McDermott about him, Tyler Kolick. I have him first-team All-American. You know mm-hmm. why? Because everything revolves around Kolick in that offense. And he was more of a 
you know, pass first guy last year. He's improved his shooting. He's the, he's the, the key, the injury or whatever it is to yeah. that offense, to the number one offense in college basketball, according to Kim Palm's metrics. Uh, I, he's having a special season. Marquette's having a special season and he's the reason. I, I mean, he has been lights out all year long. So I'm putting Brandon Miller at the two, by the way, just, just in case we're wondering, I'm going to put him at the two and I'm putting Jalen Wilson at the three, even though he's really a four. Um, but I, I got to get Trace Jackson Davis on the, on the team, the way he's played over the last month, he's been a, a, honestly a beast. Every game, it feels like he's going for 20 and 20 and he's carrying that Indiana team and uh, they've been winning. Um, so to me, and, and honestly, I, like I wanted to see that kind of killer out of Trace for a while, and he's shown it to me. So I'm going Trace Jackson Davis on there uh, for my fourth. I know I need a guard for my fifth because I don't have a guard right now, like a true guard. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up a fifth guy here, but I'm gonna let you guys go first. Tyler, round out your team. Uh, well, I'm gonna round it out with Drew Timmy, and I, you know, from Gonzaga, I think he's played well. Uh, he's been very consistent. I think sometimes we get lost in that, and it gets a little boring when you see it for four years. Uh, but I think he's doing hey, a great job. Who does that sound like? Who does that sound like? <laughs> been in college longer than me. Uh, <laughs> Did uh, anybody say that about you, that it, it got a little boring watching you for four years? Yeah, I, I'm sure there is. Uh, but, uh, no, I, I, I got him to round out my list, and, and it was between him and Trace, to be honest. And uh, I went with Drew. No, I got no problem with that one. Yeah, dude, of course not. Yeah, Yeah, what he's done over the course of the last, you know, two, two, three weeks has been awesome. He is so dominant. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, I went a little off the radar here, and it's a different one. But Jalen Pickett at Penn State. I'm with you. Yeah, Yeah. I'm with you. Man, seventeen and a half, seven point eight boards, seven assists on a team that plays different than their entire conference. He is the ultimate playmaker, an excellent passer. And he, he is, he's a Swiss army knife. He can guard so many positions. He's so strong. Uh, Jalen Pickett has Penn state at 14 and eight and has highlighted this turnaround for Shrewsbury. He has been really good. And he, he's a man, you know, you can yeah. post them. He's not a great shooter, but you know, he can make some shots. And like you said, he rebounds his position Big, strong, tough, experienced. Uh, really good to see him do what he's done and and, and get the recognition. And he's, he's put Penn State in a position where now they could be an NCAA tournament team. Uh, so there you go. You know, Edie for sure, Jalen Wilson for sure, Brandon Miller for sure. And then we got some other dudes on there that we had uh, a little differing opinions. But, again, all players who have had uh, really, really good years – uh, a coach who has had a great year is Matt Painter. Michael Shrewsbury gave him some props last night uh, after Purdue's win over Penn State. Shrewsbury has coached with him on two different occasions as an assistant, so he knows Paint well, and he said he's the best coach in the country. So I ask you guys, who would you start your f- program with? You know, you're you're an athletic director. You can hire anybody. I'm giving you the opportunity to hire any coach in the country here to build your program. T.O., we'll start with you. Who who are you choosing and why? Well, first of all, I want to say Matt Painter, the job he's done this year, I feel like it's been overlooked a little bit in the National Coach of the Year candidacy because of what Jerome Tang's done and what some of these other coaches have done. 
But man, I thought and thought on this. And to be honest with you, I'm still not entirely certain. I love Bill Self. I, I think he's awesome. He has the right uh, personality to get along with the fan base, with the, with the right personality to get along with the boosters, the administration, all that stuff. To me, Bill Self uh, is a one at this point. But if I'm going to go with a wild card, somebody who I think is up and coming and rising quickly, uh, I and I wanted to grow with him. I was a young AD. I wanted to grow with him. Uh, I'd take a swing at Pat Kelsey because he's got a lot going for him. He's got the right energy. I know they've lost two in a row now, but he's got the right energy. Uh, he's big on marketing. He's, you know, he, he gets along with his players and there's a different energy about it when you talk to him and how he wants to grow his program. Uh, that's somebody, if I was young and we're starting from scratch, I would consider Pat Kelsey. Tyler? Yeah, so I love the job that Matt Painter's done. And to me, I, I think he is a coach of the year this year. Uh, but there's another person out there that a lot of people aren't talking about that is getting overlooked. And I just want to throw this. Rodney Terry's done a great job for Texas and what they've been through. Uh, he's got him on top of the Big 12 doing a great job. But to answer your question, if I'm starting a uh, program right now as an AD, I'm hiring Wes Miller. Uh, you know, if you look at – his under, you know, somebody wait, wait, under. Wait. I, I, I like on. it. Hold I on. like Former it. Teammate. Don't let right. go. All right, we need to get that out there first, Tyler. We, we, full disclosure, full disclosure. Tyler's not the most objective human being when it comes to Wes Miller. <laughs> I like one it, of my Jay. best friends, by the way. <laughs> uh, but I will, I will say this: Coach K under 40, 215 wins. Wes Miller, two hundred seventeen. I mean, that's pretty good company. It is good. And it is. he has taken the UNCG team uh, to the tournament, made them a, you know, tournament team. They gave Florida State a run, which Florida State, they were they were a contender that year. Uh, but he's their team fights. Uh, I watched them play Houston over the weekend. They could have handed Houston an L. I mean, they were right there until the end. I think he has his team competing and playing hard. And that to me is what really a program is built on is how consistently tough your team plays. And I like what he's done uh, at UNC and, and the direction that Cincinnati's going. So it's, it's a no brainer. I go out and hire Wes Miller immediately. All right. Painter from Shrewsbury. So I'm not picking him self from TO. I'm not picking him. Wes Miller. I might pick him in 10 years. I'm not picking him <laughs> yet. Uh, I'm going with Scott Drew. I'm going with a guy who took the worst situation we've ever seen yeah. in college basketball history and turned them into a national champion. Okay, not only to do that, you know, 15 years, last 15 years, he's gone to 10 NCAA tournaments. He's gone to two Elite Eights, two more Sweet 16s, in addition to the national title. He'll have him in contention again for Final Four this year, and he does it with the culture of positivity. He fits today's day and age, right? Like, yeah. you know, 30 years ago, yeah, I don't know if I would have picked Scott Drew. But right now, he knows how to connect with these kids. He is a relentless worker. And, and again, to me, what Scott Drew has done, if, if honestly, if you put the, the most impressive accomplishments ever in college basketball history, Scott Drew taking Baylor and winning a national title has to be up there. Brad Stevens taking Butler to two straight national title games has to be up there. Those are two of the most impressive uh, that, that we've ever seen. What we saw that was impressive so far this year, two mid-major darlings, Florida Atlantic and Charleston being in the top 25. 
When we come back next, we'll tell you why both are in major, major trouble to get into the big dance. You're clear. Wow, what a tease that was. Major, 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 major trouble, yeah. They are. All right. Trouble. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I like it. Uh, Grant wants to know, does Kansas State have a real chance to make the Final Four? Um, I don't know. I don't – It's I don't so hard to say it when – it's so hard to say it in a guy's yeah. first year. Right. But, like, they – you guys finish in the top three of the Big 12, you can make a run. Like, I really believe that. And they and have they the got, talent to got, do it. You know what I, I believe about? it. A small guard. A small guard in the NCAA. That he's five seven. I saw him in person a couple of weeks ago, and I love Noel. But I'm just scared. He's so small. Now he's tough as shit, but mm-hmm. like that scares me. There's small. There's Ty Lawson small, and then there's Noel small. Yeah. The Keontae adds a little size, though. I mean, I think the. Yeah. I mean, he's a big guard, but uh, you're right about that. I, I actually think they have a chance at the Final Four. I, I think they've been competing. I like the way he. Noel play so they had chance yes 30 yeah they're good man they got length everywhere besides that point guard spot like Naquan Tomlin's really good they've got some fives that'll protect the rim a little bit and what do you need in NC I feel like you always need somebody that can go get you one like they would throw it to Tyler at the elbow and he'd find a way to get it up there at the rim like last season you you'd have you know Agbaji who can find you one Keontae Johnson can do that for you I, I feel like that would give them a shot there we yeah, go. No doubt. Three, two. All right, welcome back. Field of 68 After Dark. I'm Jeff Goodman. He's Tyler Hansborough, and he's Terrence Oglesby. And, again, you can watch us on Sirius XM. Well, you can listen to us on Sirius XM's Channel 84. You can watch us on Field of 68's uh, After Dark YouTube channel and Twitter and uh, in about – 13 minutes we'll have the afters where we uh drink a few cocktails and answer your questions so make sure you put those in the youtube chat so the two mid-major darlings cinderella kind of stories of the year have been charleston where i currently am and florida atlantic was where i was two days ago um they both lost tonight i, I think i'm bad luck guys i, I think i i shouldn't it's you kelsey and Dusty May should not want me around anytime soon again. Um, but Charleston lost. They've lost two straight now. They lost to Hofstra at home. And now tonight lost at Drexel. Um, Florida Atlantic, their loss at UAB. Not nearly to me is catastrophic. Uh, yeah. Florida Atlantic's numbers are really good. They're in the top 20 in the net. You cannot say the same thing for Charleston. They're in the 60s right now. I think Charleston has to win probably their conference tournament at this point, the CAA tournament, to, to, to get in the NCAA tournament, where I think FAU still has a little bit breathing room. They can maybe afford one more loss. I think they could probably afford one more loss and still get to the maybe the Conference USA finals and get in as an at-large. But I ask you guys, like how much – does it hurt now if we don't get either of those teams? I, I want more at-large mid-major teams. I think it's good for good for the, the game, good for the tournament, good for everything at this point. You guys are both high-major guys. Agree or no? First, the bad news. 
SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. I agree. And, you know, you're talking to a guy who lost to George Mason uh, freshman year. And so, you know, they went to the Final Four. Anything can happen. But the thing about this is if you lose two in a row in a conference, uh, you know, for College of Charleston, that really puts him in trouble. And I think that's a that's a major no-no if you want to get into the tournament uh, for a conference like that. Uh, yeah, I would like to see more at-large bids. But also, if they're going to do that, you've got to play a very tough schedule, uh, you know, before you start your conference. I'm just, I'm going to start referring to Kim Palm numbers because I have no freaking idea or clue about the net. And if Jeff, you can figure that out, you let me know. Cause I've seen teams lose by 10 and go up five spots for the yep. love of God, help me figure out this Ridiculous. net. It's, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen yeah. that all being said, uh, one of the problems with the colonial that Charleston's playing and I've done some work with the colonial. I think it's a good league in the top half. The problem is, is the bottom half really brings their metrics down. And they had to bring some teams in uh, this season that that are going to take a couple of years to get up to the level of play of the teams that were already in that league. So it hurts their metrics. But if I'm picking, you, you know, I would say two per two per some of these mid to high conferences. Like, for example, there's no reason for me to believe that the Southern Conference, Furman and Samford couldn't win a game. There's no, re- there's no reason for me to believe that. Both of those teams have offensive firepower. They play hard and they're well-coached. So to put more of those guys in, I think, is really beneficial as opposed to putting in, I don't know, four Mountain West teams like they did last year only to go 0-4. Like spread that wealth out when it comes to these, you know, mid-plus conferences. You know what you do? Here's what you do, Gus. For the final four spots, you know, the the, the first four spots, what you do is – you pair up, it's basically a, a playing type deal, and you play. I mean, it can be the same thing it is now in a way. You play mids against highs because everybody, that's always the battle anyway, right? That's always the, the who's better, right? The, the mids that don't play anybody or the highs that go under 500 in their league. Play them against each other to get into mm-hmm. the main field. Yeah. That's what they should be doing. I would watch that. I don't want to see two high majors that barely squeaked in, you know, Clemson play West Virginia, no offense to you. But I, I don't want to see that in the first four. And I don't want to see a SWAC team play a MEAC team that night. They won their league. They should be automatically in the main field of 64. Play the mids against the highs. I think that would add some intrigue. We'd all want to watch those, you know, four games to get into the main field. So I don't understand why they can't figure that out. So you would say both the tournament champion and the regular season champion would both get automatic bids. Is that kind no, of what you were saying? I'm just saying at this point, what I, what I would do is at least make the first four interesting and yeah. play, play them with the last four team, make them mids against highs, make, give four mids a chance that are at large against four highs that are la- the last at largest. That's what I would do. Yeah. Play them against I, I can see other. that. 
Yeah, I can I'm see with that. Jeff on this. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. To me, it would be fun to watch. There, there would have more intrigue. You know, to me, again, I, I've watched Charleston a couple of times. I, they're not overpowering talent-wise. Uh, you know, again, they lost to Carolina earlier in the year, the, the second game of the season. Then then they, they reeled off 20 straight wins. FAU, I watched in practice the other day. They're a little more athletic than Charleston. Um, they play in, I, I think, Conference USA is a little bit better league than, than the CAA. They yeah. lost to a, a really talented UAB team that had Jelly Walker back tonight, and he's one of the most prolific scorers in the country. Um, and now, you know, you also think like Pat Kelsey and Dusty made two guys that have gotten a lot of attention so far. You know, I hope they can keep it up because we need these these rising star type coaches also from the mid-major ranks. You know, mm -hmm. there are a lot of high major openings and I don't want to see these recirculated guys anymore. I want guys that are working their way up, that have grinded it, that have done like FAU guys is a hard ass job. Like people are going to compare FAU and Charleston and they're going to put them in the same group. Charleston is the best job in its league in the CA mm -hmm. in, in great resources, everything in the league. The only thing they have in common is they both have the beach right near them because FAU is the worst job maybe in the league other than FIU. Those, those jobs are brutal. No resources, no budget, facility needs upgrades, all that. So, like, what Dusty May is doing – Kelsey's doing an incredible job. Don't get me wrong in year two. What mm -hmm. Dusty May has done at FAU is insane, guys. Absolutely insane. Yeah, think about think about their numbers, too. They're top 40 in Kimpom, despite, you know yeah. – and like you said, Conference USA is a better league than the Colonial. And I would say substantially so from a depth you know, perspective. And I'm not trying to talk bad about the Colonial. It's just the way it is this year. Uh, but it's amazing what he's done. He's got some transfers in there, some guys that can really score. But it's 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 hard. And they the fact that they will probably they, – they'll probably be okay if you look at their – numbers and their I metrics and everything they'll be fine now they need to they need to play well this last yeah. month uh, but it, they'll be fine charleston's times. the one i worry about i feel like charleston could surprise somebody because you know how shooting's coming from all over the floor they have some sides um fau could do the same thing yeah charleston right. took us to the wire too and terrence how, much, how, how often are you on kim palm i've never heard somebody uh just cite kim palm i gotta so pull up right now that's unbelievable I got it pulled up right now. <laughs> so as we're talking, I haven't pulled up. Yeah. All right. So you know what Saturday is, right, Tyler? It's a big day. What, what does that mean? Why is it such a big day? Because I'm going to the game. Is that why it's big? Well, that too. Uh, you're going to be there um, with a lot of other celebrities. You know, they always try to get one, uh, you know, top tier. Uh, it's Duke week. And you know what happened last time Carolina went into Cameron? Uh, it was his last game he'll ever coach in Cameron. We handed him an L. Uh, I think they brought back every former player and put him in a uniform or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. They had a dress code that night. Uh, it was an amazing night for all Tar Heel fans out there. And uh, it's something that I'll, I'll honest, honestly always laugh at. Uh, the speeches after the game, they were amazing. The ceremony, I loved it all. There's only one thing better is that when, is when we took him to the Final Four and handed him an L there. Uh, so – I enjoyed both of those moments, but it is a big week for all Carolina fans. And 
you know, it, it is a little different not having uh, Kay or Coach Williams there. And as much, you know, as much trash talk as I give the Dukies, it, it doesn't feel right without Kay. And the reason I say that is because he plays that Darth Vader kind of role uh, as kind of the mean guy, or you know what's up when there's a bad call, he's going to be right in the official's face. Uh, but, uh, you know, as we're, you know, as, as we're talking, uh, reminiscing, I uh, who, told who, Jeff. Who I, does this mean more? When we come back in the afters, you're going to tell your favorite story. At okay. Cameron. But quickly, who does this game, who has to win this game? Who is more pressure? I think it's Carolina. I do think it's Carolina. And, you know, I said the one good thing about the Pittsburgh loss is this pisses us off. I mean, this makes us hungry, refocused. That's what good teams do. Uh, so I, I like the thought of us going into Cameron hungry and ready to get a dub. So yeah no I, I i can't wait it's it's no matter what the records are it is the rivalry it is a great environment uh, i'll be there saturday uh, at cameron we'll see you tomorrow on the field of 68 after dark thanks to me thanks to tyler thanks to tio thanks to mcdermott thanks to dagan we'll see you tomorrow You're clear. also i got to clarify we're not back tomorrow we're back on saturday but i'll let it slide for now goodman <laughs> oh, it's Friday tomorrow. My days are all screwed up. My hey, I got your boy. I got Wes on Saturday, Tyler. There you go. Hey, you're going to see some uh, of my old teammates there. Fraser, Bobby Fraser, Marcus Sr. Yeah, yeah t go over there. I'll tell them to say what's up I to saw you. him good in uh, Chicago this past summer. Yeah. So I love He's, Bobby. Love Bobby. Yeah, great dude. Great dude. All right. We are in the afters. Uh, make sure you give us any questions right now on the in the YouTube chat anything you got, but we're going to start with Tyler and his best story uh, at Cameron. Give us your, your, your best story. I think I know what it is, but, but it's, it's my freshman year uh, when we went into Cameron and handed him an L there. Um, and the, the reason I love that is because, you know, Carolina was fresh off a national championship. Uh, Sean May, Raymond Felton, that squad. They left, and our team, we didn't have a lot of expectations, but Duke was a team. Uh, J.J., Sheldon, senior night, uh, and it was my first time in Cameron. You know, uh, our freshman class, Danny Green, Marcus Ginyard, Bobby Frazier, myself, Mike Copeland, we go over there, and it was a big win for us. Uh, and we were a team that, you know, like we, we fought for everything. And so uh, to beat the number one team in the country in Cameron uh, on their senior night was special for us. Hey T, whenever you got you got a, you caught quite an elbow from Gerald Henderson. And I got to mm -hmm. ask you about this, and I'm not going to ask you about the elbow because it may have. Well, been it's dirty. Right? I mean, it's it's no reason to argue. <laughs> I mean, even Gerald told me that. We're, I mean, we're pretty cool, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was what it was. It was what it was. Did you go over the side and be like, "Does this look awesome?" I, th I felt <laughs> like I read you. I felt like I read your lips, and it was something like, "Is this awesome?" Or is this <laughs> like? <laughs> no, I was actually pretty pissed off. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I think I was going to go after Demarcus Nelson, and uh, looking back, that would have been the wrong thing to do because obviously he didn't hit me. Uh, but I I was pretty confused uh, as to what had happened. I didn't, I know I, I knew I was fouled hard. I just didn't know what happened. Uh, you so, didn't know where it came from. Yeah, I was confused. Like, who in the hell did this? You were like a boxer. Like like was it like a a boxer got hit with like a haymaker and had no idea what happened? You know the the crazy part it it, it the, there wasn't that much pain. I mean, it wasn't that bad, but it looked bad. There was a ton of blood and everything. 
uh, which made it, you know, to me, obviously I didn't think my nose was even broken until I took an x-ray, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't know what happened until I watched the replay. Your nose still not right from that hit? It's really not. It's been like broken three times, but I'm not <laughs> sure that one or the other ones. Dude, the way you played, you're going to get some broken noses. Oh, like yeah, if you if sure. you were like me, like I wasn't going inside the three point line. Like <laughs> my nose is still good. I think I've I've broken it a couple of times, but not to where it's like moved. But yeah, yeah, I haven't had to have surgery, uh, but they've recommended it. But I've heard people that have had that surgery just don't turn out right. Oh really? Hey yeah. Tyler, you know you know what we should do next year. I think what we should do is we should get a tent. And we should go out there and sleep out, all of us. Oh my get a God. tent, a big-ass <laughs> tent, and a Field of 68 tent, and, and we sleep out the night before the Duke Carolina game at Cameron. Goodman, I'm 30, I'll be 35 years old at that point in my life. I'm, hey, I'm, I'm way older than that, and I'll do it. <laughs> all right? Hey. I'm way older than that. Now, I'm not doing, I'm not doing a Saturday. T- fr- tomorrow night, it's like 35 degrees. But last year, it was like – I think it was like 70 – I was going around drinking. They were they were giving me drinks as I was doing TV hits. There you go. That's not so, terrible. I, listen, I've been camping once, and uh, there's a reason it's only happened once. But I don't know. I mean, maybe talk. I don't know. It'd be fun. You got to admit, it would be fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. What do we got, Dagan? All right. We had this chat. This is the first question asked. I can't scroll all the way back, so I may screw the question up, but I think I remember it well enough. Uh, yeah. When you get into the NCAA tournament. Would you rather be a number one seed that has to play in a regional? So, for instance, say you're Arizona, right? But you get stuck in the East Regional. Or would you rather be the two seed in the West Regional? That's a good question. Tyler, do you ever have that that kind of deal? I, I can't remember. But to me, I've always – to me, it's overanalyzing the situation. To win a national championship, which is the goal, you're going to have to go through teams. And to, to sit here and worry about – the bracket on down the road uh to me you focus on the game you have in front of you but if i were to pick i'd like to stay within the region less travel uh time change is a a big deal Uh, i think your sleep quality plays a factor all that plays an issue so i want to take the two seed and stay close to home yeah i agree and the only the only frame of reference i have there is we always got we got bounced in the first round both years i was playing but when we went to the sweet 16 i was on brownell's staff a few years Four years ago, five years ago, it doesn't matter. When we went, we went out to San Diego for the first two rounds. Flew home. It's a four and a half hour flight. Landed in Clemson. You're there for basically a day and a half. We got to get up and we got to get back over to uh, well, is where I saw you. Where Omaha. I saw you, Jeff. It was at Omaha. Yeah. So it was like that was a lot of hours on the plane for a lot of big dudes to try to like limber up. I'd I'd, try, I'd like prefer to stay regional if it were me. Yeah, and you got the crowd. I mean, not yeah, everybody that helps. Carolina or Kentucky, or, you know, and, and travels also. So you you rather have your, you know, close to home where you get your home court advantage to some degree. Yeah. Dagan? Next one. T.O. <laughs> Ken Palm is a fraud. on your case tonight. Jeez. He wants to know why Kentucky <laughs> is higher than Providence in the net. <laughs> and I have Tell a feeling Ken I know Palm what your answer is going to be. Because it makes nobody no sense. Knows. Nobody <laughs> right. knows. Nobody <laughs> knows. Not even the people at the NCAA know. They're just throwing darts at a board. It's That's just true. throwing darts at this point. Well, I guess I'll move him up. He'll move him. It doesn't make any sense. Nobody knows. 
Yeah, no. The, I mean, part of the problem is Providence doesn't win games by enough points. That's that's insane to me. Is it because they're but is it because true. they're lucky, Jeff? They are lucky. They are lucky, <laughs> and you can go to uh, to our 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 shop. Uh, what is it? Field of sixty eight shop. Field of sixty eight dot shop. Link in the description. Thank you. Chatters. Thank you very much, Dagan. I appreciate it. I've done this and once get or twice. The Providence shirt, the lucky uh, clover shirt that all Providence fans should have because it uh, pretty much describes the last year and a half of your lives. Uh, what else we got there? Boom. All right, fair enough. Uh, Brad P. Uh, wants to know if uh, Brad Underwood, shout out uh, our other producer, Trevor, uh, if Brad Underwood will make it to the Sweet 16 this year. They got a shot. Like They got a shot. They get as good a shot as almost anybody. The, the thing – and I said this the other night, and, and our producer, Trevor, didn't like me for saying it, but and I don't know if you agree with this, Theo. Um, I just don't know without, like, a true point guard. I, I, I kind of worry about him, right? Like, Epps is good, but I think he's more of a two. Shannon, initiating offense, scares me a little bit. Yeah, he I, I like him. I just kind of I – don't, I don't know. Matchups with them. I think their roster fits the profile of what you would like to have for the NCAA tournament more so than the, any other big 10 team sans Purdue, just because they're big, they're switchable. They have a lot of lineup versatility. Um, and Coleman Hawkins has started to play well against teams that aren't directional schools. Isn't that what Hummel said? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So he's starting to play good consistently and they have a lot of pieces. Uh, there's no reason they shouldn't. And they really defend that. That obviously helps. So I, it's it's possible. What else we got? Uh, David wants to know what's up with leaving Tubelis off of your midseason All-Americans. He does have 35 points right now against Oregon. He's awesome. I, I feel bad. You just can't put everybody on there. It's so hard because, again, we're talking about so many good players, and I'm sure we all had Tubelis in the equation. Yep. And, and rightfully, like, he could have been on there. I think part of the problem that, honestly, and, and I went to Arizona, but I'm an East Coast guy. We're all East Coast guys. I just think it is harder because Arizona is playing late at night a lot of times, and the Pac-12 stinks other than a few teams. There's a couple teams that are good, but there's a lot of crappy teams, right? I mean, look, Cal, Stanford stink. Oregon State stinks. There's some bad teams in the Pac-12 right now. Washington, not very good. Washington State's struggling. They don't have guards. So I, I think that's the hard part with Tubelis right now. We're just we're not watching him as much as we're watching some of these other guys. Period. Yep. Boom. Like it. Uh, next one, David Bentley, our guy. Uh, who's the next assistant to be a head coach without any head coaching experience? I.e., Tommy Lloyd, Drum um, Tang. I, I mean, I got the guy. I got the guy who it should be. Who's that? Kellen Sampson. Kelvin's yeah. son. He's going to be the next coach at, at Houston. But to be honest, why not go get something else? Like, here, here's the spot for, for, for Kellen. A couple. I'll give you a couple if, if they open. One's Georgia Tech, if it opens. The other could be Wichita State, if it opens. Those are two places I could see Kellen being terrific at. But to me, that's the next assistant coach that I'm plucking. Because Tommy Lloyd, Jerome Tang have kind of made it cool for, for high majors to go get an assistant coach. And I think Kellen is ready. I've known him since I think he was a GA at Oklahoma with Jeff Capel. That's when I first met him. He, he's, he's really good, really good. Justin Ganey at Tennessee, too. Yep. Does I a think great he's job. really good. Yep. yep. 
Uh, before I get to the next question, uh, chat, we have 260 people watching, only 34 likes. Uh, let's let's get that issue. like let's, let's get that like count up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, another yeah, coaching another I coaching mean, question here from Michael. Uh, he wants yeah. to know if Matt Painter or Nate Oates called you tomorrow and offered you the top assistant job. Where are you going? Painter or Nate? Yep. So Purdue or Alabama? Where I, I got an easy answer for this, and you guys tell me if you're wrong. The easy answer is I'm going for Nate because I don't want to be in those three-hour practices of painting. <laughs> That's it. It's simple for me. It's absolutely simple. And I think I think Nate's a little crazier, so he'd be a little more entertaining as well. But I don't want to sit in those three-hour practices. Actually, I, pra- I don't think pra- Nate does three-hour practices anymore, so that's probably not fair to him. Hey, man, I- I'll never forget. We were playing Purdue in the ACC Big Ten Challenge my freshman year. And I always like to go and shoot uh, 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, the night before, to where I could have the gym on my own. Purdue was practicing. And they weren't just kind of practicing. Like, they were going at it the day before a game where they were going to get pressed for 40 minutes. And they were going nuts down there. And they wouldn't leave the gym. Like, I was a little bit shocked that they were going. So, I think that was Paints either first or second year there. And and he was set the tone. Like, he was going at it. If uh, I, I'm, a, I'm from the South, Alabama would be easier for me. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that would probably just for that. That has nothing to do with coaching. They're both terrific. Well, for me, it was painter, no question, until I heard about the three-hour practices. Uh, so, you know, I – I do like what Painter's done, partly because he's a big man's coach, and I think he throws the ball inside. Obviously, he's had some some pretty good bigs. Uh, you would shoot threes at Alabama, Tyler. You you Nate would only allow you like you'd be shooting really yeah. launching them. They would yeah. they play more of a similar style to what you guys played at Carolina than Painter does. Yeah, but um, they're both great coaches. Uh, I just like the job Painter's done, and I think he's brought on those freshmen. They move without the ball extremely well. Uh, Not a lot of coaches teach that. Uh, It just seems like he's one of these coaches that isn't hemorrhaging threes up at any given chance. He's actually running the offense through the bigs, and I respect it and love it. Dagan? Will wants to know, can Arkansas do what they did last year and finish the season strong? Hell no. Hell no. Unless if Nick Smith miraculously comes back tomorrow and he better come back soon. Cause what are we at? February 3rd. Now today's the third. Uh, I, I just, I don't see it. I just don't see it at this point. I think they're going to be fighting for their lives, you know, hanging on for like a 10 seed to get in the mm-hmm. NCAA tournament. You guys agree or, or, or disagree with that? Too one? many injuries. The Brazil kid went out. He was a yep. he was a major factor. Injuries. Yeah. I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's feasible. Man, Brazil was good too. Yeah, that was yep. tough. That was a tough. I mean, loss. Those are two first rounders, maybe lottery picks. If Brazil kept shooting the ball like he did, he could he could have been a lottery pick this year. And Nick Smith, we know, is going to be a top five ish pick. The only thing is, if Nick Smith comes back, they're guarding. Like, that team is guarding. He would give them a little bit more offensive firepower, which they haven't really had consistently. It's just hard to put him back in. It's not like he's played 15 games. He's played three games. Right. So, it's like starting over, and he's a freshman. He's not a senior who played three games. He's a freshman. Like, that's just a lot to ask of a kid to come back in February and acclimate into a team that's been playing together for a while. And, again, it's February 3rd. Like. I, I just don't see it. No way. The beds are comfortable at Rich Paul's Lake House, huh? 
Yeah, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> Dagan? All right, we all assume that the Georgetown job will be open. Well, I shouldn't say all. Most yeah. people assume the Georgetown job will be open this season. Who, uh, who's your, who's your, who are you going after for Georgetown? Um, who am I going after? I would say, you know, I've said this over and over and over. I know everybody's going to kill me for it again. Blank check to Ed Cooley, number one thing. Blank check, he's not going to take it. He's going to look at it. He's going to think about it. But he's not going to take it because he can't leave Providence for for Georgetown. We know that. Ed Cooley's burner in the chat said he it's not him. He's not going. <laughs> he's not going. I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with that. I'm just saying you might as well try. Number two, Rick Pitino. You know, like, I know he's 70. I get it. But what Rick Pitino will do is get Georgetown back to credibility, respectability, so that in three years, when Rick retires, you're in a better spot to find the, the, the long-term answer. He's the short-term fix because he can coach his ass off. And with a portal, he'll get players. I, I just I think there's a lot of pressure from Georgetown to hire Pitino. I just don't know if they will do it. Um, you want some other names? I'll give you some other names. Micah Shrewsbury. I was I was going to say that one. Shrewsbury. Yep. I like that one. Uh, Jamie Dixon has had success at Pittsburgh for years. Yep. Again, not a sexy He recruited hire. the DMV really well at Pitt. Yep. Not a sexy hire, but one that can get him back. Again, you're just looking at this point to get Georgetown back to where they're in the hunt for an mm -hmm. NCAA tournament. Yep. Andy, Andy Enfield, an East Coast guy. Maybe he wants to leave the beach in L.A. I wouldn't, but maybe he does. Um, Chris Holtman, landing spot. Hey, that one's that one's intriguing. Right? At least, at least to move. At least and here's, to move. Here's the, I don't the, think the, the Georgetown, but at least to Here's move. the weird one. Here's the one that's outside the box a little bit. Does Mike Bray really want to retire? Ooh. Or would Mike Bray, who, who went to DeMatha, who's a Maryland guy, would he go to Georgetown? And it, is it the right hire? I don't know. But again, if he's reinvigorated, maybe. Let me Tyler ask you. Let me ask you. This is that retire. Well, I, I think he's. I don't think he's a fit for Georgetown. What do you think about Rodney Terry? I was going to. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. In a hypothetical world, they finish out great in the Big Twelve, deep into the second weekend, Elite Eight ish. And the, it, Texas decides to move on to somebody He's got else. got no we're, ties. We're, no, no ties to the Northeast. I think okay. you got to have somebody. All the people I've mentioned have some ties to the Northeast. I would even include Ryan Odom in that conversation, lower down the list. But he was at UMBC. They had the best win in college basketball history, upset-wise. Mm -hmm. I put him further down the list. But to me, you got to have somebody with Northeast ties. Rodney Terry has never, like never, never, never been close to, to the Northeast. He's been a, a Texas, you know, UTEP, Fresno, and, and, and was an assistant to Texas for a long time. I do feel like Georgetown is, has a national recruiting ability though. They do. Like, yeah. They, you, do. they have cachet with recruits yeah. to where it's But you got to get bounce back guys now though. There. That's right. You're right. You know what I mean? Right now, in order to get this thing back, I think you got to go portaling and really get some dudes that left the DMV and like like Kevin Willard did, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Kevin Willard got this thing going right away, at least to a point where they're in the hunt for for that's all you would want at Georgetown. Get us in the hunt. 
and Rick Patino will get him in the hunt quickly. Yep. Dagan? That is it for me. I'll let you guys do your toes. But again, Chad, let's right. get to 100 likes. 40 more likes here in the next, what, we got probably two minutes left? We can do it. All right, let's go. 40 more likes for Dagan. That's right, for me. 40 not, more. Not for Goodman, because nobody will That's like right. the video. It's for Goodman, no, so. nobody's going to like me. You know that. <laughs> um, right, right, 40 more likes, and uh, we start with uh, – you want me to start, guys? Yeah, you go ahead. All right, toast of the night for me is going to go to Aaron Estrada. Oh, good uh, pick. Hofstra. At Hofstra. I saw him play last week against Charleston. He was absolutely fantastic. He had 23 in the first half. He finished with 25, I think, that night. And it was so impressive in the second half because most guys who had 23 in the first half would be shot hunting, and he didn't. All he did was facilitate, controlled the game. They ended up winning at Charleston. And then tonight, they play Towson at home. Could be a little bit of a letdown game after the, the Charleston win. And Estrada goes for 27 and 8 and uh, played all 40 minutes. Remember, he started his career at St. Peter's, transferred to Oregon, bounced back to Hofstra, and has been awesome. So, Aaron Estrada, congrats, man. What are you sipping right. on over there, T? It's a little bourbon. There you go. It's the only good thing about Kentucky. The whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> There's the quote of the show. The only good thing about Kentucky. Oh, man. Go ahead. Tim. You want me you to do it. my toast? I'm going to yes. go to Hunter Dickinson, and uh, I think he had a great game, dominated the second half, didn't get off to a good start. He's had an up-and-down season and, uh, you know, got a good quality win. Uh, Northwestern, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a toast. I know he's taking a lot of heat too. Yep, that's a good one. Well, you know, the only thing with Hunter, if I if I were him, the only do over I would have made was the podcast. Hundred percent, and you know, I said that, and that's what I that's what I meant by taking heat. Hmm. Well, it's just it's hard. I mean, especially a barstool podcast, because they're just getting you to they're trying to get you to say crazy shit. That's all they want to do. And as a college player, you you really you want to be a little bit careful. You know, like Tyler, you could say some of this stuff now. If you had said some like if you had done a pod when you were in college and the, the things you were capable of saying, right? You could have been in trouble. Yeah. And I was a very shy kid in college. So right. uh I was on guard for that reason. I mean, that's that's ammo for the other team. I mean, that was uh it, it to me it was taken out of context because it was on barstool. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and then too, when Tyler and I were playing, that's right when Facebook and everything and catfishing was starting to become a thing. <laughs> Wasn't there a quarterback at Wake Forest like a few years ago? Like he ended up sending some some pictures to what he thought was oh, girl, man. and then he ends up with his manhood plastered all over a student section of a of another <laughs> school. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember if that's I'm exact, actually surprised but... there's not more of that that's happened to be yeah. honest. Shocking, right? Shocking. Shocking. Yeah. But but that's right when everything was starting. So I was always on guard. Yeah. I mean, not that there was a whole lot to hide anyway, but <laughs> you have to be you you have to like you have to be careful with that stuff. Yeah. And Hunter decided to put all of his stuff out on Front Street. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, again, I, I just yeah, I like it in a way. I like that that you're you're able to do it and and have fun with it. 
but I also feel like there, there's a place and a time for it. And, and the, the guys that are doing it with him, again, aren't trying to help and protect him. They're just trying to get him to say some crazy shit. And that's yeah. not cool. That's the, the, the guy who I think is a good, like the Kirk kid from Arizona does it well when he plays. Yes. And then on a podcast, you're like, yeah, you, you got to know better than that. Yep. A little more savvy. Yep. T.O., yep. who do you got? Who are you toasting to tonight? Uh, toasting tonight. How about UAB? Yeah. Getting the win over uh, Florida Atlantic. They got a tough game. Uh, they show up. They have talent, guys. But one guy in particular, I know Jelly Walker gets a lot of the praise and everything, but a uh, young man that I knew when I was at Clemson uh, as a GA, Trey Jemison, who's a rim protector down there. He's had issues with injuries. His knees have had a hard time holding up, but he is a fantastic human being, and he will re- protect the rim with his life. <laughs> so cheers to UAB. Good win. Uh, Andy Kennedy, the man, getting it done. There you go. All right. Thanks to everybody for joining us uh, every uh, night. Appreciate it. We are off tonight, actually. I made that mistake before we uh, signed off on Sirius, but we will see you Saturday night, as usual, in a unbelievably packed day of rivalries Saturday for College Hoops. So uh, thanks for joining us again. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.